You're listening to a CHUO podcast. CHUO is community-driven media. Find us online at chuo.fm, on air at 89.1 FM in Ottawa, and on social media at CHUO FM. And you are back on CHUO 89.1 FM. This show is all about women in urban music and local business in the Ottawa Gatineau area. And it's called Loud Her. I am excited to connect with another community builder in this Let's Talk About It segment. The head dread of opportunities, broker of the Be More community of Three Dreads and a Bald Head, which was founded in 2000. Adrian Cadet is with me. Howdy, and thank you so much for having me. So good to have you with me today. Adrian, you are a community activist, advocate, a high school educator with Three Dreads and a Bald Head, Be More community. You provide opportunities for people in Black communities to transform their lives by maximizing their physical, mental, spiritual, and economic potential. You are also well known in Ottawa as one of five co-hosts of Black on Black, which is Ottawa's weekly connection to African and Caribbean communities, which broadcasts right here on CHUO 89.1 FM on Saturday morning from 11 a.m. to noon. You are also the founder of the Black Educator Network, 2020 CBC Ottawa Trailblazer, 2021 RBC Black History Ottawa Award recipient, 2008 Community Builder of the Year by Leadership Ottawa Cohort, and Community Foundation of Ottawa's Investing in People Award winner. So great. I gotta update my LinkedIn account. (laughs) (laughs) This is just like a small piece of recognition for the work that you've been doing in community Let's just start from the beginning, shall we? Sure. Well, we'll talk a bit about family. So your mother and late father were Ottawa business owners. Your mother, a hairstylist, and your father was a barber. Actually, I know you know this, but your father even cut CHUO host Daddy Rich's hair when he was little. Uh, He sent me a picture the other day. I was like, oh my goodness, (laughs) that was a blast from the past. That speaks to how many people you came in contact with and, and the people that your parents really supported in community and truthfully I feel like in my heart of hearts I probably crossed paths with you when I was little because you're from Pineview and I was a little girl on Meadowbrook Road in Pineview back in the day as well. Oh that's <laughs> my hood that's the neighborhood that we grew up in and man that was a real childhood in that neighborhood so I've got fond fond memories of Pineview. Did you ever meet up at the Green Box? Always, that was the spot. That's where, if you lived there, that's where you knew you were meeting up. We had all kinds of things we used to do in Pineview to get together as young adults because that's when the city was divided into you were either East End Black people or West End Black people. Yep. And the majority of the East End Black people at that time before moving out to burbs like Navin and Blackburn Hamlet and Orleans, the majority of that community East End lived in Pineview, whether it was old school Pineview, which, you know, Orel, et cetera, or where my block was, or the fairly new school Pineview on uh, Meadowbrook and the extensions. A lot of us grew up together as teenagers and young adults, et cetera, growing up in that neighborhood. So we know about the green box. <laughs> 
I love that you can speak to that experience because it's something that I remember fondly. Thank you for that. Let's just talk about that experience of building that hub of community with your parents. What was it about that that made you say, no, I'm going to do more of this? At the time, it was really true that Ottawa had a core of Black families that maintained relationships with each other because they all had kids around the same age. So they got together often to do a lot of things. We weren't able to be as nationalistic as we are now, but the community, therefore, came together at critical points. You know, during the summer, there was always an annual picnic that we would all go to. During the winter, our mothers would get together and help us pretend that we are going to assimilate clearly into this culture. We needed to know how to ski and toboggan and go on hay rides and skate on the canal. And so, you know, we acted Canadian uh, and did all these activities together in the community. So this gathering of us was something that you grew up knowing and to come together like that felt good. So why not have that continued same good feeling about growing up in this city and being black in it? Why not continue that into your adulthood? (laughs) Absolutely. You're doing a lot of that with your other co-hosts on Black on Black. Like the rest of us, you had to switch to virtual recording and Uh, It's been almost a year. Can you believe it? It's hard to believe. Even though you've had to make this shift, you're still connecting with community. Looking back on your many interviews that you have done, I'm going to put you in a spot and just try and highlight a memorable interview or your most memorable moment and just share with us why that is. I've had so many. So, I mean, depending on when you ask me, maybe my response will be different depending on what I remember. But, you know, I remember in the old studio interviewing uh, Alison Hines before, you know, I knew she was Alison Hines. She was square one. They were in town for like a week getting ready for our carnival. And, you know, she came into the studio wearing army fatigue pants, a camouflage bra and an army top. And I think she had like a black hat on. And we did an interview live in the studio to think that also we could be at the forefront of, you know, critical moments recently, like the opening of the cultural arts studio when it was on Colonnade Road and we could broadcast live and see all of what Suzanne creates for the community and us be the vessel for those who maybe weren't able to be there in person or came by and got to continue the festivity, you know, in their car as they went around uh, doing what they do for the day on Saturday. But what I will really truly say, Green Bottle Affair, a listener who, you know, had a tragedy happen in her life earlier that same year she showed up months later however long later and we were you know collecting for a needy family and she brought in like a brand new playstation with games the controllers and she just handed it over and she just looked at us and said thank you and just turned around and kind of joined in the crowd in the celebration and then slowly just left. You know, those are the moments that we know and understand how important CHUO is to the community and that what we do is really important. And it started off not believing people listen, but I've since changed my tune about that. (laughs) and, And I take that as a great honor and responsibility. Thank you for sharing that. 
I don't know about you, I have many quotes that really inspire me and get me through some challenging times or celebratory times. One of the quotes that I, I noticed that resonated with you was from Abdul Aziz, poverty will make you lie. And I just want to, <laughs> yeah. Can you please share with us why that quote resonated with you? We were in Ghana for the International Black Summit and I brought two young adults who were former students with me. And, uh, you know, we experienced a lot of things. We were in Elmina and we had a group of young men who we had met during the time we were soliciting for people to come to the summit. We had met them in Accra, mainly around the market. And the hustle was on and something changed. Uh, they got to be like close with us. They got to hang out with us. We got to hang out with them. They did things with us that really made our trip and helped us understand the community that we were in. They did things for us with love. And Abdul Aziz had become friends with the young man that came with me on that trip, Gary Gallimore. And he stood up in front of the room and he admitted out loud what some of his intentions were when he first met us. He said, poverty will make you lie. Mm. And he wanted us to know that he had changed in that moment in acknowledging and saying that out loud. And I think I was moved deeply by that moment and how like raw that simple statement seemed. Uh, even now I can like feel it in my skin. I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah. But that was wisdom that brother shared with us that day. Absolutely. That is truly powerful. And something else that's truly powerful and moving for not just me, so many people was seeing you are now the head of social sciences and business at Woodruff High School. Congratulations again. Thank you. This is a huge win because it's not just something that you're taking as a title and just doing the role. You're going above and beyond in so many ways. There are a lot of things that you're going to be doing in this role. What would Adrian and University have to say to Adrian right now? <laughs> Girl, you tricked them. <laughs> I don't know what Adrian and University would say about moments like this. I, Adrian and University just had no clue about a lot of things, but I know that my 20s and my 30s and 40s were some good practice in life and uh, I wish to be a wise person. So I think that Miss Adrian said that it's my time, it's my opportunity, and I feel like blessed by the challenge to be at the forefront of one of the most challenging times in education and how the pandemic has also shown us about the inequities that will now open the corridor for those of us who I've always wanted to radically reimagine something different for education and for how it impacts our learners, ourselves, our lives, etc. And what diversity people can do with their own learning when they discover something about themselves through the journey. I think that Adrian of University responded when I was first proposed with the opportunity and that Adrian would have said, ha, no, thank you. That sounds like plenty work. <laughs> the Adrian of today was like, why not me? Why not me? And so I'm glad the Adrian of today responded to the challenge. 
And we are too. Absolutely. And you spoke to how there are so many challenges in the system right now, especially for the Black community, the racialized community. If there was one barrier you could instantaneously break for your students who you hold in such high regard or even the youth that you mentor in your other work what would it be that you would want to remove for them in the education system to make it a bit easier oh i immediately my answer would be i would love to remove the belief that your lived experience isn't good enough to study mm. <laughs> your lived experience is good enough to study I remember some of my radical days at, at a university that I went to in the United States. And I remember the discovery that at this institution that is a historically black college, you couldn't study like African-American studies at the time. You couldn't study about yourself. And considering that I had gone there and discovered so much about myself, I found that ironic. And when I came back home and continued my education, I was like, well, I'm an expert about my own lived experience and why shouldn't I study it? And I mentioned this the other day in another interview and I said, I recall one of the most enjoyable papers I have ever written and it was called The Sociology of the Dance Party. Something I knew as something important culturally to bring me together to transmit a whole bunch of things that I now value as really important. Something that seemed like a juvenile activity that I clearly still at 53 have not outgrown as its importance to connecting me to community in a social way, maybe first, but allows you to connect more deeply with people beyond that. And so I would like for students to feel like their lived experiences are important enough that they could study them and do that going into the workplace, going into college, university, or just be lifelong learners of their own journey. Absolutely. It's going to take effort. It's going to take collaborative effort, right? Absolutely. Uh, I've been thinking about, like, what does it mean for me to be in an institution that, you know, people have been very critical in our community about its treatment of Black students. And there'd be part of me in my youthful days might say, oh, Adrian, you know, what are you doing? How is it possible? And in this moment, what I would say, it's possible because the community needs to know that we're inside. The community needs to know that there are people ready to be responsible to their needs. And that's why the community needs to back us up, needs to push, needs to know that it is also in partnership with their responses and engagement that assists those of us who are inside to help with the transformation of this institution. Ooh, if you're listening on demand, just run that back again because you need to hear it. Adrian, what are a few of the things that you really look forward to accomplishing? This year, we have the additional challenge of attempting to do a couple of our events that you know we've done more recently and figure out a way to make them wonderful and virtual. And it's our graduation season event, uh, the Walk with Excellence, and then also Emancipation Day. We want to put on a local version of the Emancipation Day train ride. Um, we did it in partnership with Toronto and the organization, a different book list that gifted us these two events here locally in both cases. But we would like to move forward with some plans and support and help to do a virtual version of it here locally so we can celebrate our graduates that are local and then Emancipation Day. You know, we have our own train now and we want to return to being in partnership with our local transit authority 
to put together that event too. So those are two of the things that my recent focus will be on for the rest of this year. Then you know that there's listeners saying, how can I help? So how can they? Hey, I'm always looking for eager bodies and minds to work in consensus and collaboration in what we do with anything. So, you know, hit a sister up at Three Dreads on Twitter and Three Dreads and a Bald Head on Instagram. But people are probably just old school email me the number three dreads, D-R-E-A-D-S at gmail.com. That was Adrian Cadet with me here on Loud Her, y'all. You've been listening to a CHO original podcast. CHO is community-driven media. Find us online at chuo.fm, on air at 89.1 FM in Ottawa, and on social media at chuo.fm.